Snippet. The short podcast platform. Hi, everybody. I'm Eric Rankin. And I'm Michelle Anderson. And we want to welcome you to The Awakening Code, a new show from Snippet that features conversations about spirituality, self-improvement, breakthroughs in science and medicine, and what it means to live a more awakened life. This week, we're thrilled to be joined by author, spiritual leader, and political activist Marianne Williamson to speak about cultivating health in our daily lives, the human ego, and conflict resolution, among other topics. Marianne starts us off with a discussion about what she calls the pharmaceutical storyline. The German philosopher Frederick Nietzsche said, to live is to suffer, to survive is to find meaning in the suffering. And I think that that's, you know, so important today because we are living at a time where there is such a trend um, to medicalize human despair. You see every bout of deep despair as clinical depression or a disorder of some kind, a depressive disorder, an anxiety disorder. And I am part of what I see as a growing chorus of resistance and a real challenge to that, uh, to that really pharmaceutically created um, storyline. Human despair is not something that is new. Human heartbreak is not something that's new. Emotional catastrophe is not something that's new. But the psyche has an immune system just like the body does. And the more we learn how consciousness operates, the more we learn how to transcend our suffering. And that's what all the spiritual paths are about. So spirituality is the most profound medicine for the soul. And if once you see human despair and human depression as a spiritual crisis, then the last place that you look to to solve the problem is an area of of study and understanding, i.e. medical science, that doesn't even factor the soul into its calculations. That's a profound thing to say because we know, and you talk about in your book, the over-medicating that we do now, certainly in this country and all over the world, that we're acknowledging, yes, we're suffering, and a very disassociated industry is saying, oh, we've got a pill that kind of uh, will help you deal with these symptoms of suffering. But just like you just said, we're not addressing the real issue at hand. And it's part of, by the way, a profit-driven uh, health care system. You know, if you have a, a public health care system, then the um, financial incentive is to get people off medication if and when they no longer need it. You hear a lot in the United States, which of course is a profit-driven health care system, you hear a lot this the following sentence, expect to be on these for the rest of your life. We have now entered an age where we realize you can't just trash your body and then expect not to get sick. And then when you do get sick, seek to simply allopathically eradicate or suppress the symptoms. We now know that Health is not the absence of sickness. Sickness is the absence of health. We must proactively cultivate health. Mariana, in your book, on page 49, you mentioned, and I love the way you wrote this, spirit blesses while the ego blames. Spirit forgives while the ego attacks. 
Spirit allows while the ego defends. Spirit is fully available in the present while the ego is attached to past or future. In every moment, we make a decision consciously or unconsciously whether to be host to God or hostage to the ego. And then again on page 104, you mentioned the ego keeps us bound to the illusion that we exist entirely subject to the material world when, in fact, the world is nothing but the projection of our thoughts. And my question is, if we know this and many of us believe this, we still tend to listen to our ego more than we listen to the voice of spirit. Can you elaborate on that? This mindset of fear or ego has been upon the human race, well, the Course says, for millions of years in time as we know it. And the Course in Miracles says that the ego speaks first and the ego speaks loudest. And we start being trained into the mindset of the ego, which is the belief that we're bodies rather than spirit, that we are bound by linear time, that we are the effect rather than masters of circumstance. We are taught a mindset which is then by the way, bolstered by our physical senses, from basically the time we're born. So enlightenment is an unlearning, but as we all know, it's a lot easier said than done. So when you're at your spiritual center, or, or Eric, when you're doing your show, or me doing my talks, or whatever, when, when people are listening to this, or people are at our centers, or our talks, everybody's nodding their head, because it's common sense, it's etched on all our hearts that fear is not the truth of who we are. And fear doesn't have to be the ground on which we stand. And that we can repudiate it, and we can stand our ground for love, for forgiveness, for a higher sense of connection to the universe, to a higher power, to the earth, to each other. The problem is (laughs) that then we go out into the world, right? And so just like you do physical exercise to hone your physical muscles so you can move, We do spiritual exercise, which is prayer, which is meditation, which is the constant repetition and accumulated work of all the things we're all talking about here tonight. And then we build the attitudinal muscles that give us the strength emotionally and psychologically to say such things as, I'm going to stand my, my ground right now. I get that I'm wounded, but I have a choice. I do not have to act from my wound. I'm going to stand my ground right now. Yes, I'm not beyond feeling anger in this moment, but I am beyond being so lacking in impulse control that I pick up the phone or send a stupid text or email telling this person how angry I am. (laughs) This is the work we all do. And we all know if you meditate in the morning, you're going to have a lot easier time the rest of the day. Because if you just wake up in the morning and you download the stuff that's going on on this planet, look at this country right now, the anger and the politics... Of course, you're, you're giving your mind over to, mm. the, to the collective ego, then you've got your own stress, and that's why we do the work that all of us are involved in, to retrain the attitudinal muscles so we do learn to live from a different place within ourselves and to behave from that different place, which, as Eric was saying before, is most important. It's not enough to just know it. It's not enough to just intend it. The, the goal here is to actually think and behave in ways that allow love to heal our lives. So what is, what is the next book you're working on? I'm going to write a book about Jesus. Oh, that'll be wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> I, I grew up in the Christian religion, and, I, and um, I, while I wouldn't call myself a Christian, you know, only now, I referenced Jesus so many times because I just believe he was this metaphysical teacher, this Christ consciousness. You know, maybe he said the way that I am is the way rather than I am the way. I don't know, but... You know, it's so much of his ministry was about the doing, and yet Christianity today seems to be so much about 
hey, don't worry about the doing. That's not going to buy you your way into heaven. Almost feels like it got inverted in the last right. 2,000 years. Well, the ego loves religion. The ego can use anything. The Course in Miracles says some bitter idols have been made of him who came only to be brother to the world. The Course in Miracles says he lives in a state which is potential in the rest of us. He has actualized that state which is potential in all of us. We'll be right back for more of our conversation with Marianne Williamson. You're listening to The Awakening Code, a production of Snippet. Welcome back to The Awakening Code. Our conversation with Marianne Williamson continues. You know, when you were talking about flexing muscles, the way we perceive is not uh, written in stone. Just because someone does something to you, you do not have to stand in this judicial state and say, well, if you did that, I must react this way. And you address this quite a bit in your book. Well, every single moment, we're either facing love with an open heart or a closed heart. And as Patty was reading in that section, every moment we do make a decision, whether conscious or unconscious. Everybody lacks impulse control these days. You know, we just, we, we say things that like later we go, why did I say that? Mm. Everybody gives themselves perhaps too much permission today to say whatever uh, is on their mind. So if I'm feeling it, I should say it. And, you know, words can be violent, just like actions can be violent. They, they, saying something is an action. As, as we learn to take responsibility, the Course in Miracles says, see, everything that someone does, interpret it as either love, which of course should call forth love in response, or a call for love. Because the person who is acting without love, just like myself or any of us, like when I think of the times I've made my biggest mistakes, I didn't wake up that morning intending to be a jerk intending to be stupid, intending to be unkind, intending to self-sabotage. No, I got tripped up where I'm triggered, where I've been wounded. And when I've made big mistakes, God has had mercy upon me. And my purpose in life, the Course says, is to learn to have mercy on others as God has shown mercy to me. So if somebody treats me unkindly, they probably didn't wake up this morning and go, I'm going to be mean to Marianne today. They got triggered by their childhood wounds, just like I get triggered by my childhood wounds, and then we're all off to the races. But if I defend against their attack or I attack back, then I'm, I'm dooming both of us to remain on that wheel of suffering. And that's why forgiveness is a moment of, of, of recognizing that the personality in this person might be acting out of fear and ego, but the truth of who they are as God created them is innocence, and what God created cannot be uncreated. If you will enter into that moment, in that moment, into what the Course in Miracles calls the holy instant, be still and know, then the Holy Spirit will literally recalibrate the universe in that moment. If you will just take that one moment, I see the innocence in my brother. I'm willing to see this differently. I'm willing to see the innocence in my brother. Even if that's not what they're showing to me on a personality level, then the universe will literally recalibrate and and correct the situation. And that's what a miracle is. I I love the book because... It's not just about suffering or really not just about moving from tears to triumphs. It is a beautiful encapsulation of many different spiritual teachings to help you ground yourself into a much deeper awareness of what life is, what our purpose on this planet is, being the relational creatures that we are. You know, we're in this uh, social media frenzy Facebook world where 
a certain type of connection happens, but a real face-to-face type of connection is getting rarer and rarer. And yet we are still that same relational animal that we've always been. And I think we're just yearning for that. I agree. I agree. You know, sometimes when people talk about the economy getting bad, I've had friends say to me, oh, what are we all going to do, you know? And if I don't get a job, what are we all going to do? And I've said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do what we did when we were kids. We're all going to live in a big house together. <laughs> Not the worst thing, that you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like remember when we were all young and we all lived <laughs> together, and then we all got to the point we didn't have to do that anymore? Well, actually, we look back at that and we go, you know, we all, we all hung out together more. And, you know, we realize when you break down how little we truly need that there's so much on, on the earth, in, in people's hearts, in infrastructure to provide for our basic needs to stay alive. And yet the stress, the stress that we put ourselves under is the manufactured stress of having the big house, having the new car, having the, enough money in the bank. And yet nothing about life has ever enforced that idea of having more stuff makes you a happier person. Well, and that's where all the depression comes from. I mean, that Buddha, the second uh, noble truth is that the things of this world can only bring temporary happiness. So what you just said, it's, it, it, that's what makes it a culture of depression, because everybody's told, you can make your dreams come true. Figure out what would make you happy, which that job would make you happy, or that money would make you happy, or that house would make you happy, that relationship would make you happy. So half the time, people are in this struggle mode, this grasping mode, which so you can't be happy because you're struggling and grasping. Why are you struggling and grasping? Because you're trying to get the thing you think would make you happy. Right. Then you either get it or you don't get it, and if you don't get it, you can't be happy. And if you do get it, as Buddha said, even if you get it, it'll make you happy for, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then you're in despair again because things of this world can only bring temporary happiness. And then the same voices which told you to go after your dreams because they'll make you happy, if you went after them and they don't make you happy, says one of two things. Number one, you just need more. Or number two, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. Or there's something wrong with the way you're thinking about who you are. And, well, the, well, but the, something wrong with you is more the, the, that you have a disorder, you, your anxiety, your depression. No, but I think the message, the spiritual message, obviously, it's not that there's something wrong with us, but what you said, which is very different. Something wrong with the way you think is very different than something wrong with you. And enter the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the air with us. Thank Patty, you, Marianne. Thank you, Marianne. Oh, well, thank you, guys. I so look forward to being with you, and thank you for having me on the radio. And Listener, make sure you tune in to all the things that Marianne is up to at Marianne.com, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E.com. Marianne has written four New York Times bestsellers. So, I mean, what an honor to have you on our show. We're very grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the inaugural episode of The Awakening Code. Next week, we speak with spiritual leader Deepak Chopra, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, we want to remind all of our listeners to be Be good good humans. humans.